Another Way to Play, Episode 2. This is Kathleen Day Sider, owner and principal of the law office of Kathleen Day Sider. And if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the 9-to-5 rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is Kathleen Day Sider, who is an elder law attorney here in Alameda, California. And the reason I brought her on today is because she has a really interesting story and some fantastic advice. Uh, She's actually started her uh, professional career with pursuing her master's in social welfare and was a social worker for a long time and ultimately uh, transitioned into elder law, which we talk about in this episode and has moved her practice back here to Oakland, California, uh, where she resides and practices today. She's currently sitting on the board of the Oakland Nature Fund, as well as on the Aging Services Committee at UC Berkeley School of Social Welfare. She's also a member of the Northern California National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys, the Contra Costa and Alameda County Bar Associations, and the Downtown Alameda Business Association. So uh, in today's episode, she brings some really, really great insight uh, to the conversation, specifically around being present with people. Uh, She has said that that alone has led to a lot of the most interesting conversations and relationships she's built. She also talks about just going and asking questions of people. She has an icebreaker question that she'll bring forward, so listen to that. And she has a really uh, interesting mindset tweak uh, that I'll encourage you to listen for, which involves talking to the owner of a coffee shop. So take a listen for that. Um, Before we dive into today's episode, I want to remind you that I would love to talk with you directly, uh, get to know you better, and uh, find out what it is is that you're liking in the show, uh, what I can do better better on, uh, who, what other guests we should bring on, and what questions we should ask them. So in the show notes below is my Calendly link. Schedule a 15-minute call with me so we can have a chat and connect, and I really look forward to hearing from you. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with Kathleen Day Sider. Kathleen, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. really appreciate you taking some time to chat with us. Thank you for inviting me. You're so welcome. Well, you know, for those of you who don't know, uh, outside of the intro, Kathleen actually goes by Cass, so I'll be referring to her as Cass through the interview. Um, but why don't uh, you you give us a little bit of your background and tell us uh, where it all started for you? Sure. I actually grew up in a small town in Southern California called Hemet. It's an it's a place where few students, when they graduated from high school, actually went actually went to college. So when I got out of high school, I started working at a photography studio right out of school. And at some point I thought, hmm, do I really want to stay here? And so I decided I better go to college. And that's when I decided five years after I got out of high school, I thought I better do something. I went to community college for a year. Then I transferred over to the University of California 
and um, did my undergraduate in human development. And I thought, what am I going to do with that? But I had this fantastic professor in the second part of the human development course, and he did research on elderly. And I was so in, interested, and it was so exciting, the research, the whole class, which was so fantastic. And it was that, at that point that I decided that I was going to work with the elderly. So from there, when I graduated, I decided, okay, I'm going to go to graduate school. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do in graduate school, except for that I wanted to work with the elderly. So at that time, there was no internet. I went to the library at the university, and I looked up universities that had programs that were geared towards working with the elderly. And I saw UC Berkeley School of Social Welfare. So I applied. And I got accepted and I uh, did a master's of social work at uh, Berkeley in the uh, gerontology tract. And that changed my entire life. I was fortunate enough to um, be able to start working with the elderly and I've been doing it ever since. It's wow. Just, yeah, it's great. So backing up a little bit to what you said, you grew up in a small town in Southern California and you you didn't have sort of what I would argue is maybe a typical model of, you know, you graduate high school, you go to college, you go get a great job and, and you're happily ever after. So you actually went to college later than, than most people uh, typically do. Correct. And there was a moment there that you, you touched on, you were in the photography studio and you said, Hey, is this really all there is? Can you, can you take us back to that moment and, and tell us about how that decision came about and then um, what you were feeling and thinking at that time? Sure. Uh, at some point I looked around and I realized, am I, and I thought, am I just going to stay in this little town and not making very much money, working from paycheck to paycheck um, and being in this small little world? And I knew that's not what I wanted. So I had to do something to get out. And the only way I could see that was education. And fortunately, my mother really encouraged me. Though my parents weren't on the same page regarding college, um, they, they weren't going to pay for it. But my mother, at least, really supported me to going to school. So once I started, she would check in with me. How many units do you have? What are you taking? How many units do you have left? How many classes? She really encouraged me, though my dad said, why are you going to school? Why don't you just get a job and get married and have kids? Mm. So it was really my mom who pushed me. So you, you had this feeling that was like, you just had an inkling that something was a little different than like you were sort of a round peg trying to fit into the square hole. And, and there was just something not quite there. So you started asking questions of yourself to the tune of like, is this what I want? is education a better outlet? You know, is this photography studio what I want, et cetera, et cetera. Mm, correct. Awesome. Correct. And, um, and then clearly it, it was, and you did, and you pursued um, education and, and then you got to college despite maybe what other people were telling you or, or your dad's influence or what have you. And, um, and, and pursued a, a, a career in education and, and a master's degree. So um, going back to that professor for a moment who, is, who sparked your interest in elderly, like what was it about that, um, that moment that really piqued your interest to keep going and, and ultimately pursue it as a career? 
What's interesting is that the town I grew up in is a retirement community. And when I left there, I thought, I don't need to live around older people. Mm. This professor was so excited and he was so passionate about the research and the work that he was doing. And once I got into it a little bit deeper, I could see that also. The things that we have received, we meaning those of us who work in, with, in, with the elderly, received from them is so much more than we have ever given to them. They don't know that. They think that we help them, but really they have been able to shape and change our lives in a way that hopefully make us better people. Wow. And I think that he felt that also, and, and I got that from him. That's amazing. Well, it, it certainly sounds like it came across to you in a big way, and just even the way you answered that last question, there's clearly a lot of energy and passion behind it. Um, th though I'm sort of intrigued by this because you said you grew up in a retirement community or not community but a town that is built on retirees and then you left with the intention of maybe not being in that world anymore but but yet here you are um, well i was young i was a teenager you know sure. teenagers are are very you know they're can they think about themselves a lot and what they want and of course at the time you know i was impatient and um i was a teenager Absolutely. Was, you know, I had to get a little bit older, you know, five years down the road, it was, I was a different person. Yeah. And you, you clearly had the benefit of a little bit more age as opposed uh, in life experience for that matter, as opposed to a college freshman coming in at 17 or 18 and not knowing anything, let alone what they want to do with the rest of their lives. Correct. And so that probably helped you focus in on that study a little bit. Exactly. Yes. So Normally, I don't get to the, the passion question until later, but because we're here, um, you clearly have a passion for this. And I'm curious what you think of this. There, there's obviously a lot of advice out there on the internet and otherwise that says, you know, follow your passion and the money will come. And you've, you've clearly got some, uh, a high level of passion for serving the elderly and um, in the capacities that you have. So do you feel that it's important to pursue a passion over, um, you know, something, let's say, that isn't quite as passionate, but just maybe more lucrative? Or, or do you have some advice or opinion about that side of things? Well, my passion has served me well. I, I um, now am a practicing elder law attorney, and my experience as a social worker only adds and contributes to the work that I do as an elder law attorney. And I think that my passion, I think people feel it. And, and so it does help me uh, quite a bit in my, in my practice and in my business. Um, saying that, I think everyone, of course, has to decide what's, what's most important for them. Mm -hmm. For me, I, I wasn't going to take a career just because I thought that it would take a lot of money. In fact, when I went to law school, I had colleagues who said, oh, I'm here. I want to be a business attorney and I'm doing it only because I want to make $200,000. And mm -hmm. I looked at them and I thought, that's crazy. Uh, I'm doing this because I'm interested in this area of work and I feel that I can hopefully serve, you know, my clientele in a much better way. And I'm hoping that I 
I'm, I mean, I feel very happy in my career and I'm hoping that, that they actually figured out that, you know, happiness is certainly much, much more important than, you know, a big paycheck. Absolutely. So, so it sounds like you're saying that, that the passion component in some form or fashion will not only is, is probably important, but is, is crucial to being successful at your given uh, field. I, I think so. You know, I think people uh, can recognize when it's genuine or not. That I 100% and, agree with. Yes. And it always, you know, when you have that, uh, that passion and it's genuine, people know it and it's just going to help you. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, in my line of work with, with real estate, it's a sales uh, job. Obviously, it's a commission-driven job, but uh, we are fiduciaries to the clients. We have to look out for their interests. And, and we, I mean, I, I talk people out of houses almost as much as they buy houses. <laughs> wow. Um, because it's not the right fit. And it's like, if you're going to spend all this money and spend your, your 10 years or 20 years in this house, like it has to be right. And, and I think the same is, is true for what you have, have described is like, if, if the client's interest and your interest in serving them is not there, then it can be smelt out and uh, detected pretty quickly. And then it's, then it's just transactional at that point. Yes, I believe that's true. So you're in the social work circle. Uh, you got your master's in it. And then, and then where does law come into that? You know, I was working at a hospital in New Jersey when we were living there. And I was walking down the floor and I looked over into a room where a patient of mine was. And his wife was sitting next to him. And I knew he was dying of cancer. He and his wife had been married for 50 years. And I thought, oh, that's going to be my husband and me one day, one of us is going to go first and it's going to be very sad. I thought, I don't know if I can do this the rest of my career. So I was talking to some of my colleagues at the hospital and a nurse says to me, what about elder law, which I had never really heard about before. And so I looked into it and I said, that's perfect for me. That's how I, that's how I made this transition. Wow. I ended up applying for three law schools in the area. And I think I was probably the only one who wrote in and said, I want to be an elder law attorney. And I got accepted to all three. And I think it's because I was the only one who wanted to be the elder law attorney. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So, so this is clearly not the uh, sexy path of most law school students, it sounds like. It is not. But I can tell you that it is one of the most satisfying areas of law that you're ever going to find. It can be difficult. It can be emotionally challenging. It can be heart-wrenching. But when you're able to provide solutions and help your clients go through difficult times, that's really rewarding. I believe that. I just, just being that, that solid foundation during a passing of a loved one or setting up of a, a trust or, or what have you to make those, those moments easier or will or what have you is, I got to say, it's probably just about as rewarding as it gets. Yes, yes. You've experienced a lot of successes um, through you know, helping some of these people set up their lives in a way that that you know financially gives gives those tough situations a, an easier transition. Um, do you have any thoughts on for especially for the listeners who are who are younger, who are probably early in their career, 
and are, you know, considering a step in the next direction, whether that's, you know, investing in real estate or starting a business. Like, do you, do you see a lot of things that people could do a better job of uh, if they were more proactive with, with relation to setting themselves up? Well, I think, I'm not sure I can answer that last part of that question, but what I think is really important is setting up and doing a business is talking to a lot of people a lot of different types of people because, and it doesn't matter what age, age they are. It can be somebody who's been retired. It can be somebody who's in the middle of the career. It could be somebody who's younger, who is on the same generation because you're going to get little pieces of wisdom from everywhere. And if you can pull that into, to your little plan and incorporate it and have it work for you, that's just going to be a, a huge plus. But, you know, don't be afraid to make your mistakes because we all make those mistakes. Of course. Uh, so they're difficult and we don't want them, but we're all going to make mistakes. But reaching out to a variety of people is really going to be one of the biggest ways to be successful. So, so building a network and, and, and building relationships with people and getting input. Correct. Is what I'm hearing. Correct. Yeah. And uh, totally. And I, I couldn't agree with that more because I think, man, there's so many ways you could go with this, but I, I do have a, a question of for you is um, leading into building a network is, do you have any key mentors or people in your life that really helped form your business and, and your identity around the work that you do? Well, there are a few elder law attorneys who I just think are really fantastic. I have to say Greg Wilcox is an amazing attorney in Berkeley who um, I oftentimes, you know, ask him questions. He's willing to walk me through things. And I'm always impressed with the way he can look through, go, go through a problem and come up with different solutions. So uh, he's been, he's been really um, a big help in my professional life. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, in my personal life, uh, I have to say my mom was really, really um, a big influence. There's no doubt of that. Yeah, it sounds like from what you said in the early part of your uh, of the interview, she was one of your big inspirations and in, in supports uh, through your college experience as well. Yes, she actually never got an undergraduate degree. And, but she went to law school because in California, you can, you can do that. Mm. And she always, always want, wanted to go to college. And she was always um, sorry that she didn't go to college when she was younger. But she um, managed to make it through law school. And she ended up having quite a, um, a healthy um, legal career. Um, unfortunately, she died at 59. In those years before she died, she pushed and, she, you know, of course, she, she was wanted to push us to have what she didn't have. Absolutely. So she was giving you inspiration and, and, and maybe a kick in the butt once in a while as moms tend to do. <laughs> exactly. Uh, to, to get up into that next level of success and, and, you know, hindsight is obviously 2020. So I'm sure she had some advice for you given her path that hopefully she was hoping you would probably take. Exactly. So if, if, there's someone out there who's listening to this right now and they're thinking, okay, great. I got to go talk to a bunch of people and get some pieces of advice. And, you know, I, maybe I build a, a 
quote unquote personal board of directors or just a casual conversation here and there with some folks, but how do you go about even finding those people who can be influential in helping you make that next step? There are a variety of organizations. You can always be get involved with, um, you know, the business associations in your community. There are different networking organizations. Um, but really, it's, uh, they're everywhere. You can go to the coffee shop, and the coffee shop is owned by somebody who had to go through all the steps to open up that business and to keep it going and to have employees. And that person took a concept and turned it into a reality. So almost anywhere you go, you can find people. It can be, um, you know, your professor, a, a professor who you had at one time. I, I find actually professors are always happy to give guidance to, uh, you know, alum uh, mm -hmm. at any time. Uh, you can, I, I think they're pretty much everywhere. It's just a matter of asking somebody. And many, I think most people are more than willing to help. And they, 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 most people would help if they knew somebody had a question, but they just, if they don't know the question is there, then they don't know to help. That is actually probably the most amazing advice I've ever heard because <laughs> you're because everyone sort of thinks like okay I got to go reach out to you know these millionaires if I want to be a millionaire I got to go find an entrepreneur if I want to be an entrepreneur or, you know a, a professional athlete if I want to be an athlete or whatever it is and you're suggesting that like not to discount those paths but those people exist all around you if you're open minded to the fact that the person that owns the coffee shop that you go to is also an entrepreneur and may have some advice on starting a business. Exactly. Have you ever approached someone in that way that, that then paid off in a six, uh, some, some way for you personally or professionally? I ask business owners all the time, how do you do this and how do you do that? And how did you do that HR? And, and I have incorporated different um, aspects of their advice into my business. Wow, yeah, that that's a fantastic piece of advice. You go talk to these various business owners that you meet, whether it's through something formal like a rotary or a, or a business association or casually because you're a patron of their shop, um, and you simply just start asking questions of people. Have you found that most people give you time or are they generally too busy for you? Well, I like to chat with people, so... Um, most people will have a conversation with me. I have, I found that if you are saying, if you just go up to someone and say, hi, my name is, you know, Cass, then they're, oh, hi. And they'll, they'll, you know, give you some time. I found a really great question that has, uh, that I use a lot, which really opens up a conversation is I say, tell me about yourself. And mm -hmm. wow, it's amazing how much information you'll get from that person. And to me that, I mean, that's so, such a great open-ended question because it can go in so many different directions and it probably is a little portal into what that person is thinking about or feeling right at that moment as well. And from, from that, um, tell me about yourself question because a lot of people try and go to either networking events formally or, or somewhat casually. And then they are, I, I find that people are unsure of how to open a conversation or continue one. Do you have any other ones that you have in your pocket since we're going down this road? Lines that I use to get people to talk or ways to meet other people? Yeah, the, I mean, strategies in a conversation to, to keep, you know, to open up people to, to give you a few minutes of their time or to 
um, keep a conversation going or to, to ask questions. Cause I, I think that what you just said, that tell me about yourself question is mm-hmm. fantastic. I'm wondering if you have more, more ideas like that. Okay. Yes, I do. First, you need to have eye to eye contact. The phone needs to be put away and you really need to pay attention and you have to respond to their, whatever they're saying and, and not be thinking of the next thing that you thought that you want to have in your head. So in other words, you really have to be present and listen to what they're saying and then go from there. Wow. Yeah. The, the putting away of the phone is yep. <laughs> all be challenging, but so, so important. And yes. keeping with our coffee shop analogy, I, I go to a couple of local coffee shops where we even had coffee once at the local. And the amount of times that I'll just put my phone away and just look around for a few minutes and see how many people's heads are buried in either a computer or a phone, it's these days is shocking. Yes, yes. And when somebody knows that you're, you really are interested in what they're saying, they're going to open up more and they're going to be more impressed. Absolutely. And, and I imagine that in your legal practice and, and through your social work, you've, you've honed that skill of presence and obviously without the phone, been able to, to bring, bring your passion forward through that presence and, and really help people to kind of understand what it is you're trying to help them with and, and ultimately come to a, a satisfactory or more than satisfactory uh, resolution. Right. Yeah, that communication is just so important and, and putting the phone away is a big part of that right now. A lot of the, I, I think we live in a society that's um, obviously phone driven and tech driven and sort of instant gratification driven. Um, but you're suggesting when you have those opportunities for that one-on-one contact of being less, shall we say, broad in the sense that, um, you know, you don't need 10,000 Facebook followers, but you need that one person in front of you to, to go deep with as opposed to really shallow with all the, all the people online. Coming back into uh, this presence thing, when you, when you decide on um, how on, being present with somebody um, and you've got their attention and you've got uh, their focus and you're asking, asking them for advice or a question, how do you go about uh, ultimately deciding how to incorporate what they're giving you into your own life as opposed to maybe what to leave on the table and, and not bring into your life? I try to take as, get as much of the information as possible Um, oftentimes in a conversation, you're going to get one or two little more pieces of of information that you're going to take back with you. And you're going to say, oh, I'm going to go look into that and see if I can incorporate it into my business and my life and my personal relationships. And and then, of course, I go and look into what it whatever it was, whether it's a a piece of uh, technical information, which I do like technology, actually, or if I if you know, whatever it is, and then I see if I can incorporate it. I know the way I work is that I can't do a lot of things at once. I have to add one thing and then add another and add another. And so that it slowly gets incorporated into my, you know, the way I live. So it sounds like you're saying to give a real honest try to whatever the piece of technology or the piece of advice that you've been given, see if it fits for you and then um, keep it or dump it depending on the result that, that you're experiencing. 
Yes, exactly. And I think there's also an underlying moment of you, you have to sort of know yourself and be true to yourself in that. Otherwise, it won't, you won't actually know if it's affecting you positively or negatively. Yeah, that's, that's true. So speaking of knowing yourself, what are some of the things that you, um, you find valuable for you, whether it's kind of volunteer opportunities or, I mean, we've touched on your, the work that you do, but do you have any of those that you, um, ways that you donate your time or, or organizations that you're passionate about or, or groups that you, um, that you think that really help you in your daily life? Yes, you know, I actually have done a lot of volunteer work. I feel I've, I've all of the universities I've gone to have been public universities. I went to public schools all growing up. And I think that the whole community um, paid for me, gave to me so that I could go to school and have these fantastic opportunities. So I just figure that I have to give back. And so I have. I've volunteered in a variety of organizations. Um, a couple of my favorite ones, I was the president of the Oakland Lacrosse Club, which is a fantastic um, youth uh, lacrosse club in the Oakland area, and it's geared towards helping underprivileged ch- kids, both boys and girls, play lacrosse. But one of my biggest passions was I was fortunate enough to be involved in a, a local rowing club. I was um, the president of that club for several years, um, helping to build, develop, and grow this. Um, amazing club and this amazing sport, which really is, uh, as you well know, because you're a rower yourself, mm-hmm. um, is it develops teamwork, it develops a sense of self, it develops um, organization skills and, and a, a, an amazing um, set of skills for people, whether you're volunteering or whether you're the rower him or herself. So I feel very fortunate that I was uh, very active and involved in the the rowing world as a volunteer for many years. And that's how we ultimately got connected was was through the rowing community, which is absolutely a fantastic group of people to be part of, um, whether you're just a, a friend or a parent or you're actually in the boat uh, pulling on the oar. Right, right. So I know we're getting towards the end of our time, so I want to be respectful of you. So um, I'm wondering, before we move to our final section, if you have uh, any piece of advice for someone who's maybe at a crossroads in their world and thinking, you know, like you, you had a few of these moments yourself, I'm not really sure if this is what I want. You know, maybe I'm having some success, maybe I'm not, but, you know, maybe this isn't really where I want to be headed for the next 10 or 20 years. Do you have, have a thought that you can give them of, of where, to, where to take that and pull on that thread to see if it's real or not? Yes. Uh, first off, I'm very big on informational interviews. Most people will be happy to give you a half an hour, an hour of their time to talk to you about what they do in their work or their lives and, and um, tell you their path and how they got to it. And usually those informational interviews will, will lead to, oh, here, why don't you go talk to this person? They might, you might be interested in talking to this person who may be um, in, a, in a job that, or a career that might be interesting to you. The other thing is that there, uh, it's really easy to, um, I mean, it's easy to find volunteer opportunities if you want them. There are lots and lots of organizations out there who do need help. Um, you can start off slow and um, you know, figure out if you want to uh, be involved in that organization from you know, 
organizations from sports to nature to a variety of things. The other thing is a lot of people want to have a, a transition in careers and they're not sure what they should do or how to, how to go about it. Actually offering to be an intern for no fee, you know, without pay for, you know, a month or three months, oftentimes gets you that, gives you an opportunity to experience what it's like in that world and then to see if it's going to be right for you. So I have found in my life that those things really are helpful. So volunteering, uh, finding a group to get plugged into, uh, possibly picking up an internship uh, in an area that you're interested in. And then um, generally what I'm hearing you say is volunteer some of your time, give some value somewhere, see if you can pick something up from it and then see where it takes you. Exactly. Fantastic. Well, Uh, Thank you for that. And with that, we will move to our focus five, which is the final section of the show where I ask all the guests uh, every episode the same five questions. And I'm really excited to hear your answers. Are you ready? Yes. Awesome. So first question is, what book have you gifted most often? It is, um, I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. It's a fairly new book, but I have gifted that already and I've recommended it a lot. Fantastic book and it's really geared towards millennials, but it's, but anyone can uh, get something from it. And it's really about how to manage your finances so that as you go through life, you can um, end up in retirement with a, a nice little nest egg. And there's no big secret to it, but if, but following this, it's really helpful. But the other book is just a wonderful, wonderful book called Being Mortal by Atul Gawande. And Atul um, is, a, is a doctor in the Philadelphia area. And he um, was a, is a surgeon and he wandered up to the geriatric uh, ward uh, floor and he started seeing the types of treatment that, were, that, were, that was taking place there. And he got more and more interested. And so he wrote this wonderful, wonderful book about how we all deal with our own mortality in our end of life stages. And it's a, a book worth for everyone to read. Wow. There's a lot, so many questions, unfortunately not enough time, but I, I will definitely be picking up a copy of that because that's, a, that's one I haven't heard of yet or both of those, frankly. Um, so if you could get an hour of somebody's time who's a you know, past or present, live or dead, um, ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? Well, it would be my mom. She died before my children were born. And then after I had my children, I had all these questions to ask her. Mm-hmm. And of course, I couldn't. So it would be my mom to ask, how did you do this? And how did you manage that? And what did you do when? Yeah, absolutely. That yeah. parental advice is fantastic. Right. Um, what's one thing that you believe that most people would disagree with you on? So what I think what people would disagree with me on is I think that people have to make a decision that works best for them and live. they need to live where it is right for them, not where somebody else wants them to live. And I, I say that people will disagree with me on that because I've had others tell me, no, 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 that's not right. You have to go by where your spouse wants to live or, or you know, something else. But I'm pretty clear that people need to make a decision about where they want to live and make it happen. Absolutely. 
Um, so give us a glimpse into your morning routine. Do you have any particular special way that you like to start your day? You know, I, I, I have an old dog and so I get, I will do a little bit of work before I get myself ready. I'll get myself ready for the day, take a shower and whatnot. And then I walk my dog around the block and, and I feed her, give her medication. Then I come to the office. So I come to the office around 10 o'clock because of my dog. Mm, just just having that moment at home with with the dog. Yeah. Love mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Well, Cass, thank you so, so much for all of your practical advice and, and just some of the great thoughts you've given today. Um, what's the best place online that, that people can connect with you the most? Well, you could go to um, daysiterlaw.com. Uh, I am on Facebook, but I don't, I don't really post a lot of things on Facebook. Gotcha. So daysiterlaw.com, which I will be dropping into the show notes. And then she is uh, available, but maybe not the most active Facebooker. So maybe Correct. You can check her out there and see if you'll get an occasional post. Right. Awesome. Well, Cass, thank you so much again uh, for your time. And I appreciate you sitting down with us today. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kathleen today. If you care to connect with her, uh, in the show notes below is the link to her website, daysiderlaw.com. Cider is spelled S-E-I-T-E-R, and uh, she will be able to connect with you there. As always, while you're in the show notes, my Calendly link is down there. I would love to connect with you personally as well. So go ahead and book a time on my calendar so we can have a 15-minute chat. I would love to hear what's resonating with you, how it can make the show better, and uh, what other kinds of guests we should bring on and the like. So uh, until we talk, this is Hans Drazina, host of Another Way to Play, signing off. And remember, make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at Chief SNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play. Thank you.